Well, welcome to Mansfield Bible Church. We're glad that you're here. I guess you've noticed my voice is a little lower this morning. I've been waiting all my life for this. <laughs> and so uh, I finally get it. a few times a year, I get this nice, low, raspy, bass voice, and it's a joy. Well, as we uh, get into our series, we're continuing our series, Fan the Flame, turn with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, we're going to be looking at chapter 2 this morning. And I want to tell you this morning, my life is different, completely different for eternity and for now because there was a guy who believed in 2 Timothy 2.2, which says, and what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust a faithful man who will be able to teach others also. A guy believed this verse. And that guy was a guy who was at UT before me. He was, uh, when I got there, I think he was in his first senior year. Uh, I think he ended up with two senior years. And uh, he was uh, a guy that, that uh, met me early on. I ended up in a Bible study that he was teaching. I mean, I didn't go to UT to find the Lord. I went to UT to, uh, uh, to really uh, uh, learn about myself and then maybe get an education in the process, right? And the Lord had different plans for me. And there was a guy who believed this verse that began to invest in me. And because he invested in me, I accepted Christ as my Savior. I understood the gospel from the very first time. I realized I didn't understand what the gospel was. It seemed like a simple message, right? Jesus died for you, rose from the grave, and you can be saved by believing in Jesus. That seems really simple. But I missed it. In all my growing up years, I missed it. I thought if I was a good person, I'd go to heaven. And that's not true. It's what Jesus did for me that causes me to go to heaven. And, and because this guy began to explain that to me, I put my faith in Christ. And, and, and because I put my faith in Christ, I ended up uh, finishing my music degree. And when I finished it, I taught for two years, but the Lord had a hold of my heart and wouldn't let go until I, I be, and, uh, until he, he doesn't let go. He, he had a hold of my heart and, and, and he wanted and led me to go into the ministry. And that wasn't my plan at all. When I left for college, that was not my plan. And my life is different and changed because a guy believed this verse. And he believed it not only that it was true, he actually lived it out and became a mentor to me. And I think that's how we fan the flame. We talked last week about fanning the flame of the gift of God, which is in chapter 1. For this reason, verse 6, what reason? You go back, your sincere faith. Because of your sincere faith, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame. And uh, the word that's not in there is again. You might put the word again in there. Fan the flame again. Fan it up again. It's gone out. It's, it's embers. And maybe, maybe you're at that point in your life where you're struggling. You're, you're at the embers. You're not sure if the flame's going to come back. All you got to do is add fuel. You add fuel to the flame and you, and you gently blow on it. Or you wait for it to smolder a little bit. You blow and poof, flame comes back. It's just waiting for fuel. It's been burned up because of things in your life. And so... I realized there was a guy who believed in this verse and it was fanning the flame of his life by investing in me. Because when I came to Christ, guess what that did for his life? I mean, it thrilled him to death. It encouraged him to no end. 
that my life was different because he invested in me and it uh, <coughs> caused him to believe even more so John 15. You abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. You begin to realize sometimes we fan the flame by giving things away, giving away ourselves. And as we give away ourselves, we began to strengthen because the teacher always learns more than the student, right? I mean, if you've ever taught before, and we have a number of teachers in our, in our church family that teach in the public schools or teach in Sunday school or teach in other venues, when you invest in somebody else, you grow more than they grow because you've got to answer some questions and, and you're on the hot spot, on the hot seat, and so you're answering these questions and you find yourself struggling because you don't always know the answers, Right? And so you wonder, well, maybe I'm not worthy to do this verse. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about what that means because I want you to go away from here today thinking and praying about who you will invest in, that you'll invest in somebody like me, that my life is different and changed because of you. I want to encourage you to do that. There is nothing more thrilling in this, in this world than investing in somebody and seeing their life changed. And there's no guarantees of that. I mean, even Jesus had one that didn't, you know, that turned on him. I mean, sold him uh, and betrayed him. I mean, you think, wow, Paul, when you look at the, especially the Corinthian letters, he's defending himself, he's defending his apostleship. He's got people attacking him. We even see that in this, in this passage last week where it says, you're aware of, uh, in verse 16 or 15, you're aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. There's two that he mentions by name. And I wonder, were these people that were close to him? that they turned on him. It happens. And so we get afraid to do what chapter two talks about because we think, well, if I invest in people, what, will somebody turn away from me? Yeah, it happens. It's just part of the, part of the deal. It's why he talks about why uh, uh, that which I suffer in, in chapter one and verse 12 and why he talks about being strengthened. You then, my child, be strengthened. He says that. He says in verse um, Chapter 2 and verse 3, share in suffering as a good soldier. And it's this idea that, yeah, there's going to be some suffering involved. There's going to be some people that turn on you that you kind of go, gosh, I've done nothing but good to you. Why are you turning on me? It's happened to me over a 34-year period of time where I've got people that used to love me and then now they, they don't think so highly of me. You know, and I, and I think, what did I do? I just tried to love. I just tried to care. I just tried to invest. And so just know that that comes with the territory. And yet it's still worth it. It's still worth it. I think about the little kid. I, this, this illustration you probably heard a million times. You're going to probably hear it a million more. I love this illustration. of this little kid on the beach and there's sand dollars as far as you can see uh, or starfish. I can't remember which one it is. It's one of the two. And he, he, he begins to pick them up and throw them back in the water. Picking them up in the next one. And there's millions of them. I mean, the beach is covered with these things. And this old, older guy watches and kind of smiles and chuckles to himself and he walks down there and says, son, he says, why are you doing this? And he goes, well, he says, uh, I want to make a difference, you know, because it's saving their lives. He says, but look at all the millions of them. You're not making any difference at all. There's all these, these ones that are going to die out here on the beach. You can't throw them all back. And he goes, yeah, but I made a difference for that one. And there was a guy who believed this passage, and he made a difference in this life. He made a difference in this life. And I think, God, let me make that same kind of difference in somebody else's life that I help, help them along that difficult journey of this life and help them to see that God loves them. That God loves you and that he wants something special for your life. And so I look at this passage 
And it goes, it starts off, it says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me, stop at that. Heard from me. What is he talking about, what you heard from me? Well, you go back to chapter 1, and in fact, I have an arrow drawn in mine uh, that I drew. Uh, chapter 1, verse 13, it says, follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me. Oh, same phrase. What have you heard from me? Pattern of sound words, wait for it, in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So not just the sound words, in faith and love. You see, we can have sound words and not have them in faith and love and we're missing it. We can have sound words. I mean, I can give you the best theology. I could teach a class on theology. I could, I could do all sorts of stuff in, in the area of theology. You could probably debate me on different areas of theology, but who cares that we can debate the issues? Are we living it? That's all that matters. It's that we actually not only say we believe it verbally, but we live out believing it in our life. That's what the word of God's intended to do, that I live it out. I mean, it's, it's true that we're, we're the only Bible some people are ever going to read. What are they reading? Are they reading a really bad version? Are they reading a version that is very honest and trying to authentically live out Christian principles? Because if they're seeing that, then that might get their attention. They see a very bad version of it, then they're, they're not going to want anything to do with Christ and Christianity and the Word of God. And so I look at that and think, if I want to make a difference, if I want to fan the flame, I need to not just know what God's Word says, I need to live it. I would rather know less of His, of his Word if I'm living it than to know more of it and not live any of it. So we need to be living it out. It needs to be making a difference. It needs to be changing us. Because any kind of investment I make in somebody else's life starts here in my heart. And if it's not happening here, it's not going to happen there. You're not going to care one whit if you're not seeing how it's lived out. And so we need to be a people that when we think about this, that we follow the pattern of sound teaching that you've heard from me in faith, I believe it, and in love. That it impacts your life. That I'm reaching out in a loving manner towards you. Truth and love. Both together, they go together. You see that in the book of Ephesians. And so you see what he says here. He says, so what you've heard from me, the word of God. And we see that throughout the, the book. He talks about in chapter 2, verse 15, to, to uh, be those who are approved, workmen who are approved, who are accurately handling the word of truth. He says, uh, uh, in, uh, talks about the sacred writings in verse 3, and then he talks about all scripture is breathed out by God. And is profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, training in righteousness. And so you look at, he's talking about the word of God here. And he, he says, has a lot to say about it. And it's something that we need to live and guard. And, and, and he talks about that. By the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So I live it in love. I live it in faith. And I live it by the power of the Spirit. So I begin to live out that word. And it's not going to be perfect. It's going to be in a broken person. It's going to be in someone who is, who is flawed, who doesn't always live it out perfectly, <clears throat> who makes mistakes, who has to apologize a lot, who has to confess a lot. But God knows all that. He knows what he's getting when he got this package, right? And yet, it touches me that a guy believed his word and his word basically told this guy I want you to love this guy. And I'm not one of these guys that just naturally gets along with the guy who mentored me. I tick him off. I found out in life, uh, late, as I, I, every time I would 
do different things. I just tick him off. It just, I don't know what it was about in that relationship. And I, and I saw him years later and, and ticked him off then too. I'm just like, I don't know what the deal is here. And so I, I apologized to him. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, about a year or so later, I, I found his email and I, I emailed him and, and apologized. And he, he forgave me. And I was thinking, there was a part of me that was thinking, and, and I probably shouldn't be thinking this, but I was thinking, Lord, I hope I never see him again in this life. Because I just take him off. I don't know what it is about me. I just take him off. And so, but at the same time, I realized it, God used a guy who I naturally just tick off to change my life because he believed this verse and he invested in me. Wow. Wow. So I don't know what God has in store for, for you and for me going forward in this next year, but I do know this. He wants us to do this too. He wants us to invest in other people's lives. So he says, what you've heard from me. Notice it says you and then me. So who is the you? Well, he's writing to Timothy, as you see in chapter, uh, verse 2 of chapter 1. And what you've heard from me. Well, it's Paul the apostle. So it's Paul uh, or, or Timothy hearing from Paul. So if you were to draw this out, you would have just basically four generations. Paul, Timothy, and then he says, entrust to faithful men. So faithful people. People of faith, people who believe God's word and are willing to carry it out. I think that's what the faithful kind of carries with it. It's that we believe what God has to say and we're actually wanting to live it out ourselves. Oh, <laughs> I'm hearing God's word. Um, so as we, uh, as we think about this, as we think about these issues, uh, think about the fact that that's what God wants. He wants faithful people who will who will invest in others also. So four generations he's talking about. So if I were to draw this out and put, you know, us in there, it said you, your disciples, faithful men, others also. That's what he wants. Well, when you look at that, that idea of faithful men, I remember whenever I, uh, after I came to Christ and, and I began to get involved and believe this verse and began to live it out. And as I began to live it out, they told me, he said, now, yeah, we t say, you know, the passage says faithful men. Here's what we tell you that's helpful in that. It says, look for fat men. Look for fat women. And you kind of go, what? Well, I'm, I am one of those, so I, I must have qualified. No, that's not what it's talking about, right? Faithful, available, teachable. People who are faithful, which is the passage, what talks, passage talks about. But you've got to be available. You've got to show up or you're not going to grow. If you're a mentee being mentored by someone else, you've got to have somebody else that, that, uh, that you're willing to, to show up to meet with. And that you're teachable. Which means that I'm not argumentative and that I listen to what the person has to say and I run it through the processes. And so when I looked at that, I thought, you know, this is the way that we reach the world. If I invest in a few Timothys, if you invest in a few Timothys or Timothitas or <laughs> female Timothys, uh, and you invest in or in couples, if you as a couple invest in couples, and if I were to, to invest in three this year, and then I got those committed to also investing because when you look at this, he says that you entrust a faithful people who will be able to teach others also. So that's supposed to carry on. It's supposed to carry on in generations. And in fact, there's a uh, famous passage that we know in, in Matthew 28. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Who's that command to? Who did Jesus, Jesus is speaking, who did he command that to? His disciples, right? 
They were all with him. He said, make disciples. Now, was this supposed to stop in their generation? No, because he says one other thing. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Um, isn't Matthew 28 a command? Yes. So was he supposed to teach them that command too? Yes. So it means that when I'm making a disciple, I haven't really made a disciple until they've made a disciple. Because they got to be committed to this verse just like I am. And so what this is really saying is not just make disciples, but make disciple makers. Those who are willing to go out and make disciples. And that's what he's saying here in 2 Timothy 2 too, that we are people who invest in others. So um, that's why the church has been going for 2,000 years. It's interesting that what Paul doesn't say. Paul doesn't say go and plant churches. He doesn't go say go and create organizations. I mean, those are all good things, right? I mean, Paul actually did those things. Paul actually started churches. He went from city to city and planted churches, and then he went back. And, he, and so, I mean, he was doing those things, but here's what he told the disciples to do. You make disciples. But that's a small thing. It doesn't seem like that's going to have a great impact. Small splashes can make big ripples. Small splashes can make big ripples. Don't be surprised if God doesn't use you in some way, in a powerful way, to touch somebody else's life. I mean, somebody touched Billy Graham's life, right? Do you know their name? You know Billy Graham's name. You don't know their name. I mean, you can name Matt Chandler. Do you know the person who led him to Christ? I mean, you think about all these different people that God's using in a, in a powerful way. In our, you don't know those people. What about the people that, that are just like me that, that are invested in? I'm not known in the, the greater community uh, of Christians. You know, people aren't buying my books and that kind of thing. And, and yet God has used me in different people's lives. God can use you as well. And you never know that one sand dollar that you pick up that you throw back, that you've invested in, that, you've, that their life is different because of you. God wants to use you in that way. And you may think, well, I'm not worthy. I don't know enough. You know enough. If you know your testimony, you know enough. Really. Uh, when I first came to Christ, uh, 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 the next week, I was involved in the Navigators. In fact, we have a, uh, uh, one of our missionaries... Um, Andrew Duran coming in a few weeks. He's ministering with the ministry of the navigators and they follow the same principle and they go by the same verse and, they're, and he's investing in two to 400 students every year at, at a, 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 a university in Florida because he, wants, he believes in this verse and he's making an impact and these students' lives are changing and some of them are going into the ministry and some of them are doing other things for the Lord and it's just, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's incredible. And so you think God can use us. God can touch our lives. We invested in Andrew Duran. God's using Andrew Duran now in some other students' lives. It's working. It works. And so you realize that God wants to reach the world through the process of multiplication, not addition. Because if I were to fill Jerry Jones Stadium, I don't know how many it holds. Just say, we'll say 100,000. I don't think it quite holds that many. But we'll say 100,000, good round number. And I did that every day, 365 days a year. Now, I wouldn't have time to meet with any of these folks. If they called me, emailed me, whatever, I'd be out because I'd have to be meeting the next 100,000 folks. And I, mean, I spend a day with them. That's all they get, one day. And I share every day with 100,000. You know how many times I'd have to fill that stadium to, uh, to, to reach 8 billion people? Well, I'd have to fill it 365 times over 200 because it would take 200 years to reach 
uh, or more to reach 8 billion people. But if I do multiplication and I just meet with a few people, three in a year, and then they get committed to it and they meet with three in a year, you know how long that it will take to reach the world? About 22 years. Multiplication is what God had in mind. And he wants to use you and he wants to use me. Because I can tell you, if we got some discipleship groups going, and we are, we have some summit groups that we got with for the men. We got some women's Bible studies, women's tables groups, and these different ministries going on. But if we captured that vision to go beyond, at first we would be just reaching more people in our church family, but pretty soon we'd run out of people. We say, well, where are the new people? They're in your neighborhoods. They're at your work. They're in different places. Begin to reach out to them. And so you begin to reach out to them. And guess what? It wouldn't take long before we reach the whole city of Mansfield. And there's a whole lot of people that aren't going to any church that live in Mansfield, Texas. About 70,000 or more plus people that, uh, and, and I, maybe half, maybe more, don't have a church home. And I think, wow, we do that. We're going to make a difference. And it fans the flame of our faith that we get excited because we, we begin to grow more in our faith and we begin to see God's hand at work. And as we see God's hand at work, it becomes this discipleship is always a two-way thing. It's never, I'm the mentor and you're the mentee. You know, it's, it's always, no, I'm, I'm growing just as much as the person I'm investing in. And it ignites the flame. And it's not just one investing at all. So I think in our picture, in our mind, is one a person on a stage investing in all. And God's view, according to this verse, is all investing in all. That's a whole different mindset. And I want to encourage you, I know I'm challenging some of you today, to think in terms of a a wholly different mindset than you've ever thought before. And you may say, well, I'm not worthy, I, I don't know if I have it in me, don't know if I can do it. You can do it. I started leading Bible studies within the first year after I came to Christ. Did I know much? I didn't even know where the books of the Bible were. Whenever somebody would, would say, well, I'll turn to a certain book, I would just do this. I'd figure it was in the Old Testament, and whenever I saw it pass by, I'd just stick my thumb in there. You know, so that way I didn't have to look in the index because then everybody would know, right? Now you don't have to worry about that. You just look on your phone, you can look in the index and everything else. But in those days, I mean, I was trying to hide that I, I you know, because I was a little embarrassed. I didn't even know where the books of the Bible were. And here I was leading this Bible study and people would ask questions. And guess what? I didn't have the answers. The people still ask questions. I don't always have the answers. So what do you do? Say, get back to you on that one, right? And then you go and study. You go ask some questions and guess what? You'll be hungry for the word in a way that you've never been before because you want to find answers to help these people with those answers. And then you come back and you give them an answer and then they ask another question. You go, get back to you. On that, I didn't expect that follow-up question. And so that you find yourself studying God's word in a way that changes you, challenges you. Well, he goes on and he says, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. In other words, it's not going to always be easy. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. So what is he saying? Single focus, that you stay focused on the task. You stay focused on this aspect. That you stay focused on investing in other people's lives. And it's going to look really different in, in everybody's lives. It's not going to look the same. For some, it's going to be 
somebody in your family. For others, it's going to be your children right now that you're investing in them. For some, it's going to be uh, uh, other things. I know that with Erin Schellenberger, she, uh, they had a a house that was kind of unfinished in the back and they decided to go ahead and finish it out and, and she's, gonna, she's involved now in, in uh, what's called the nest and uh, this, this ministry is to young unwed mothers who need a little bit, you know, a hand up and so she's not only giving a hand up but she's discipling them and so I think, wow, what an investment, what an exciting thing to, to invest in another person's life so that they get, begin to get what I got that somebody cared about them that somebody invested in them And in her case, she actually likes, likes them. And unlike me, where I, I just tick the guy off. So, you know, I, I, you look at that and you think, wow, so it, in her case, it looks like that. What, is, what does it look like in your case? What would it look like if you were just to dream and say, how would I invest in somebody else's life? What would that look like? I mean, dream big. Ask big. Because you can make a big difference in people's lives. So as a good soldier, focus, single-minded focus, a second thing, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And so it's uh, doing it right. Doing it with, with a single-minded focus, but doing it in the right way. That you follow according to the rules. Sorry, I couldn't get out of my mind this idea of Monty, Monty Python. And uh, they had this 100-yard race where all these people were, were directionally challenged. And so they start, and they, it looks like a regular race, and then they, you know, fire off the gun and everybody goes a different direction. And so I was just thinking, you know, that's, that's sometimes what we do. We, we kind of run in all these different directions. Uh, but doing it right, focus. And the hardworking farmer, it's hard work. It takes some work to do that. It takes a little courage to step out of yourself. That's what faith all, is all about anyway, that we step out of ourselves. And we say, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I'm going to invest because you asked me to. That was the thing that I realized here is I was impacted by this verse. Somebody invested in me. And so I want to I pay it forward and I want to I invest in, in those whom God has for me to invest in. It says, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the offspring of David, verse 8, as preached in my gospel for which I am suffering uh, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Wow. His picture, he's in chains. His, every time he moves, he hears these chains move. And as he hears these chains move, he's, he's thinking about God's word and it's not shackled. And why does he say that? Because in Philippians he tells us that he's, the word of God has impacted the imperial guard. I mean, he's got this guard chained to him, Right? So he's sharing Christ with them. And he's, he's also, this guard is overhearing his conversations with other people who come to visit him. And he's talking about the word and, and he's writing scripture. And, and so he tells him what he's writing. And these guys are coming to Christ. And at the end of Philippians, he says, hey, I want you to also greet the, the people in Caesar's own household who have, or people of faith. You go, wow, the word of God is not changed. It's not shackled. When we look at our world and wonder, you know, how God are you going to get into Places that are closed to the gospel, his word's not bound. He's, it's going to happen. 
God's word is not shackled. He, he has people that are getting and invested. I think about God's smuggler, uh, uh, a book I read years ago about a guy who, Brother Andrew, who uh, wanted to get the word of God into beyond the, the Berlin Wall and beyond the, into the Eastern Bloc. And he would bring Bibles with him into the Eastern Bloc. And I remember one prayer he prayed because they were searching all the vehicles. And he had these Bibles just sitting in the back seat in boxes. And he was going to try to, you know, camouflage them, put clothes on top of them. And instead, I think he ended up taking a few of them out and setting them on top of the boxes. And he said, God, you've made blind eyes uh, see. Please make seeing eyes blind. And here they waved him on through. And he was able to take the Bibles into places where the scriptures were being thrown out. And I was impacted by that guy's faith. I was impacted by the fact that the word of God is not bound. There's there's no boundaries. There's no geographical boundaries. There's no borders that God's word is not going to impact and get beyond. So he goes on and says, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. That's that identification in baptism as we're baptized. I die with him. I'm identifying with Christ. I'm saying I believe that Christ died and rose from the grave for me. If we endure, we will also reign with him. And you think about the book of Revelation. It talks about those who are overcomers are reign with him. And so I'm not sure what that looks like. You know, will, will we as believers who have overcome, are we going to be those who reign uh, you know, over whole countries? You know, or cities, or maybe I get a city street somewhere, a little backwash street. I don't know, but we'll reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. And first you kind of go, oh, no, I hope that doesn't happen to me. Well, Peter did it, the same exact word. He says, for the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me twice. And he did. Was he cast out? No. He was forgiven. He uses that same word Peter does in Acts chapter 3 and tells the people of Jerusalem, uh, he says, you, know, you, you rejected, you denied the Holy One. And then he asked him to repent. So this is just a picture of an unbeliever. It's not a picture of the believer, and it's not talking about loss of salvation because of the next phrase. If we're faithless, oh, I can fit in that category, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. We look at this passage, and I want you to know, I stand here as someone changed because somebody believed God's word, believed that, that passage, believed 2 Timothy 2.2, and lived it out in his life with, with faith and love and the power of the Holy Spirit, and my life was changed. My life was transformed. And my only question is, what does God have for you? He wants to use you. At wherever you are in life, the people that you're rubbing shoulders with now are the ones that he wants you to somehow invest in, whether it's family, whether it's at work, whether it's at hospitals, wherever it is, he wants you to invest in them. And the only question is whether we say yes to the Lord. And I want to encourage you, say yes. Because you never know when the person you touch will be someone like me who responds to the gospel message. And my life is different. Because somebody believed God's word and took him at his word. Father, we come to you this morning. And we thank you for your investment in us. You, you're amazing. You 
could turn us away. You could reject us. You could push us aside. You could call us unworthy, and we are. But you haven't done that. You not only had Jesus die for us, you've instructed the church to go after people, and not in a weird way, but just in a way that impacts their life that meets them at their point of their hurt or at the point of their need or at the point of wherever they are in life father my life's different because of that <laughs> and i pray that you would use each person in this room that's and they know that somebody invested in them father i pray that they would pay it forward and invest in the next person that you have for them i pray that you would lead those people to them and I pray, Father, that they would get the joy like I have over these years of seeing your hand at work when you touch a life, when you change a heart, when you meet a need, when you move in somebody's life in a way that it's obvious you're working and not us. We're just the vessel. Help us to be a vessel of love. Help us to be a vessel of encouragement. Help us to be a vessel who impacts our world. And Lord, I pray that you would use us to reach this world for you. A world that desperately needs Jesus. Father, we look around in our world and we see all the things that are going on in Iraq and Iran and, and Afghanistan and Syria and just all over the world, Father, things in our own country. And Father, this world just needs Jesus. Help us to reflect Jesus Christ in our lives. In faith and in love. And in the power of the Spirit, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.